And I'm talking about like a crowded crowd, if that's a thing. Was it at a concert? Have you ever been on MARTA at rush hour? Or maybe it was at a sporting event. Or maybe even perhaps in a shopping mall at Black Friday. Talk about a crowd. Wherever you were, I want you to think for a minute about what it feels like to have people all around you. Now, for the women in the room, you might imagine yourself swinging your purse to the front side of you and kind of resting your hands on the front. Or maybe some of you took your wallet or your phone out and put it in your front pocket. When we're in a crowd, sometimes when we just feel like, oh, I don't have much security, we some often take some precautions to help us feel a little bit more comfortable. Because when there's just people on every side of us, I think we just kind of get a little insecure or don't know exactly what to do. And I want you to hold that image in your mind as we prepare our hearts and mind to hear the scripture lesson for us today. And it's about a time when Jesus was in a crowd of people. I'll be reading from Mark chapter 5 verses 25 through 34. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a lot under the care of many doctors and had spent everything that she had without getting any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Because she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Her bleeding stopped immediately, and she sensed in her body that her illness had been healed. At that very moment, Jesus recognized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, Don't you see the crowd pressing around you? Yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. The woman, full of fear and trembling, came forward. Knowing what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. He responded, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Healed from your disease. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Maybe that song will be in your head like it's been in mine and Eric's for the past couple of weeks as we've been exploring and and having this sermon series called Do You See What I See? What a wonderful song to usher us in as we continue to worship together. Because we had that crowd image in our head, I actually spent some time this past week, just about 48 hours, in what seemed like the opposite of a crowd. Just up the road in Sandy Springs, there's a retreat center called the Ignatius House. Maybe some of you have gone there for one reason or another over the years. It's a beautiful little spot in the midst of the busyness. There's several acres right there on the Chattahoochee River. It's a great thing. And one of the things that they focus on at this retreat center is silent retreats. 
Now, I did not go there for a silent retreat, but a group of clergy friends and I went for a time of guided prayer retreat. We had a Catholic woman who's a part of the leadership there who led us in several sessions throughout our time together. But the majority of what we were invited to do as we were there in that beautiful spot was to spend time with God to spend time reading scripture, to spend time in prayer, both talking with God, but also making sure to clear out some space and to listen. It was even suggested that maybe we might want to go dancing through the woods. I didn't quite get up the courage to do that. This time was meant for us to set aside and and make some room for us to be aware of what God might be saying to us. And in one of the sessions, the uh, guide who was leading us gave us a list of some scripture passages that we might read that was in our section that was focused on suffering. And in that list, this scripture that we read today was a part of what was suggested as reading. And I thought, well, that's pretty convenient. We're preaching on that this week. So I spent some extra time with the scripture. And our guide invited us to do something that I hadn't yet done with the scripture for this week. And that was to think about how and what Jesus knew about suffering. What did Jesus know about suffering as we heard about the suffering of this woman in our scriptures? You know, often when we read a scripture passage, not just for Eric and I as we do preparations for for our sermons and as we read, but I think that it's true if any of us pick something up, we want to know, well, what is this about or where is it coming from? Why why did someone want you to to read that article or, or to see that thing? That we often need some kind of context for what's going on. What's happening in that part of the world or what's happening in this person's life or in this story? Why is it important? Why am I paying attention? And often the context helps us better understand what we're reading or seeing or hearing. And let's just name it, often when we're reading a passage of scripture, sometimes we can have that feeling of like, what is this? Like, what is going on? There are some passages that we get to and think, this is a little bit strange. Or that word, you know, interesting, that, that pops up and that, that this is a very interesting story. May I, maybe I will pay attention. So to know what is happening in a person's life as we read a passage of Scripture or to know what's happening in this time in history... It often provides for us a a greater understanding of what we are reading. And I think this is absolutely a really vital practice that we do. It It enables us to get a better insight as to what God might possibly be saying to us. We, or at least maybe I should just say I, sometimes struggle to allow the stories that we read to come fully into our lives, into today's world. Sometimes we get hung up or find ourselves asking, 
what does this have to do with me? Or, I've never had an issue like that. I don't, I don't know exactly what they're talking about even. Or have you ever said, well, things just aren't like that anymore? And yet, we proclaim and have affirmations, one of which we even used and shared this morning, that we believe in God. We live in God's world who has created and is creating. We believe that God is active and and present just as much now, today, in our world, in our lives, as in some of these stories that we read. It's really why Eric and I wanted to, to turn to this series after Christmas called Do You See What I See? Because as we leave Christmas, the celebration, we find it's important for us to remember that the reason why Christmas happened and existed is because God desired for us to know something new and different about God's love and desire for connection. And so he sent this really real, raw, human person to come and and to give us a new, a different insight about who God is. I think it was so that we might actually learn something. To learn something about God, about ourselves, about creation, about the ways that we are designed and connected. And one of the ways we become familiar with God's movement, with what God is showing, revealing to us, is as we turn to look and to hear the stories of Jesus. What this baby coming into the world was meant to bring to us and for us. And so as we turn to the scripture passage today, we're invited to, to step fully into the context, but also to look around the edges about what God might be saying and speaking to us. As we look at the story, we, we understand at the very beginning that Jesus was in a crowd. It says that in the verse right before where we started, and you kind of hear that context continuing in the course of the story. But where did he come from? Well, Jesus actually just came from a time where he was healing a man who was possessed by demons. That's the story that, that took place right before this. And the impression that Mark gives us is that Jesus was actually looking for maybe a little bit of a break. He had gotten into the boat and crossed the other side. But what was there to greet him? But another crowd of people who were, who were there surrounding him. And what we learn is, is that an important leader of the synagogue, Jairus was his name, came immediately to Jesus I'm going to think maybe even pushing his way forward to get to him. And he begged Jesus for him to come to the bedside of his daughter who was dying. He begged Jesus to come and to heal her. And Jesus, having compassion on this story and, and on Jairus, he's making his way with Jairus and and this crowd that we learn about, to 
Jairus' house to see his daughter when we have this interruption of the story that we read today. That there was a woman who had been suffering for a really long time who reaches out touching Jesus' cloak, his, his clothes, his garment, believing that if she could just touch him, that she would be healed of her suffering. And somehow, in the midst of this crowd that is pressing against him, she manages to touch him, even though we know that she was a social outcast. She was considered unclean because of her bleeding that was going on. And we can imagine also that she was literally physically weakened because of the illness that she had. But even with this, she presses on and she makes a connection, a touch. Not even with his body, but with the fringe of his clothes. And immediately, Jesus senses, he felt, he knew that a power had gone out of him. And that someone in this crowd had experienced relief and release from her suffering. And he stops what he was doing, where he was going, even though the task in front of him was incredibly important. Some might even argue that it was more important because he was going to the bedside of a dying child of a prominent leader in that community. But because Jesus wanted to know who and what had been healed, he stopped. Jesus knew, felt, sensed, was aware that something was happening. He was familiar with signs of of pain and hurt and struggle, of suffering. He knew the, the deep need for healing and wholeness of this person who had reached out to him. And he knew that healing doesn't hinge on someone's social or religious status, but on hope, belief, and faith. He knew. And so, knowing what he knew, Jesus turned to the crowd, to the disciples, and said, Who touched me? And the disciples said to Jesus, you're kidding, right? How can we possibly know who touched you? Are you aware of this crowd that is pressing in on you from all sides? We're passing through the middle of it. People are coming and going. Are you serious? How can we know who touched you? The disciples were overwhelmed. Off put by the question, knocked off kilter to try to figure out how can we know who here made contact with Jesus in the way that he's thinking or meaning 
They had no way to understand how to even begin to answer his question because of the size of the crowd and how disorienting it was for them. And yet in that moment, Jesus' question became their question. Something happens when Jesus' questions become our questions. Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? Do you know what I know? But the disciples were overwhelmed by the crowd because, hey, crowds can be overwhelming. Even for us here at Shambly First United Methodist Church, crowds can be overwhelming. I mean, Emily and I have been having conversation and, and had some of these thoughts and have heard it echoed from people in the church at things that we do for our community, uh, things like the trunk of treats or the breakfast with Santa or the fall festival or the live nativity. I mean, we hear the questions, who are all these people? Where did all these people come from? We don't know them. They don't go here. Even in conversations we're having right now about how we can promote some of these events to a broader audience around Shambly and beyond and, and invite more people to come and experience it. The city of Shambly is, is talking about helping to promote some of these things for us. And, and that, that can feel a little bit intimidating. The potential of that crowd that might show up here. What do we do with all these people? And in the midst of that crowd, that woman who made the effort to press her way forward in faith and in hope, reaching out and touching even just the hem of Jesus' cloak, Jesus was much less concerned and worried about the size of the crowd and much more concerned about her, that one, that person who had come forward stepped up in faith to get close to Jesus. That's what he knew. And that's why he asked, who touched me? Maybe the disciples were wondering, why do you even care? <laughs> Look at all these people. And you've been healing and you're going to heal and it's sort of your thing, you heal and so what does it matter that this one person reached out and touched your jacket? What's the big deal? But it was a big deal to Jesus. And he wanted to know who. Seems like Jesus knew her faith and wanted to connect with it. That thing in her that had inspired her and motivated her to go through the effort to get close to him, seeking healing and wholeness, that Jesus wanted to connect with that. And re recognize, acknowledge what she had done, who she was, and what had happened in her life. And so the story says, when Jesus asks, 
And the disciples say, we have no idea. Jesus looks around to figure it out and the woman steps forward. I wonder what was going through her mind and her heart in that moment. Was she embarrassed? Ashamed? Nervous? Excited? Unsure? I tell you, the thing that occurs to me is how brave she was. Remember who she is and her place in that culture and in that society as, as a woman who'd been bleeding for, it says, 12 years. That made her unclean, ceremonially, socially. She was not somebody that people would associate with, spend time with, particularly not somebody who was holy and religious like a rabbi or a teacher. Said she'd spent every nickel that she had to try to find a doctor and a cure and something that would make her better. But she couldn't find anything and in fact it was getting worse. Sounds like somebody who was at the end of her rope. The courage it must have taken for her to push her way in to this religious crowd, all these Jesus fans, even though from everybody else's perspective she belonged on the outside. She was one of them, not one of us. And yet she pushed her way in, was willing to come in and reach out, hoping for healing. And then when Jesus said, who touched me? She comes forward and the scripture says she lays out her whole truth before him on her knees. What bravery that had to take. Which feels like a good place to pause and say to all the home folks, all the church folks here, it's important for us to remember what an act of bravery it is for somebody who's not a part of a church to actually step into a church building on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday or whatever it might be. Now, to all the home folks, that just feels like the thing you naturally do. And of course, this is our crowd. But for somebody whose crowd it isn't, And who may bring all sorts of feelings and concerns with them. What an act of bravery it takes to step into that crowd. Looking, searching, hoping for a touch from the healer. Which is exactly what this woman did. And then... In that moment, when she steps forward and identifies herself on her knees, bearing her truth before Jesus, having mustered up all that bravery, the first word he speaks to her, by the way, this word that he speaks to her, he doesn't say to any woman anywhere else in all of the Gospels. This is the only place where Jesus says to a woman, daughter. He looks at her and he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. And now there's only one other place where Jesus uses the masculine version of that. And it's the story when the friends bring the paralyzed man and lower him down through the ceiling on his mat. You know, they tear the hole in the ceiling of the house where Jesus is and lower him down. And Jesus looks at that man and says, son. Now, these healing stories usually they get our attention because we're interested in the healing. Specifically, the physical healing. 
that she had had this condition, had been bleeding, and, and that she was healed and made well. And that was not her issue, her illness anymore. I'd like to offer up that I think sometimes we get those stories bass backwards. Because we look, I'm sorry, I stumble on my words sometimes, but we look at, we look at those stories and we look for the healing. And if there's healing, then we'll throw some faith on it. <laughs> Whether it's in the Bible or in our own lives. And yet what Jesus says to this woman, his daughter, your faith is where your healing is found. It's the faith, her faith, that is the emphasis for Jesus and that is the place where her healing is found. Because you see, her condition, her illness, had separated her from her society, from her community. They wanted nothing to do with her. She did not belong. She was broken. She was messed up. And by the way, had been for a long time and nobody could fix it. So she was real bad. Nobody would get close to her, especially not anybody religious or holy. And in that moment, Jesus said to her, daughter, and he claimed her. You have a family. You have a place. You belong. And it's with me. In that instant, he restored her whole life. Her whole sense of being and purpose and belonging. And he claimed her for the family of God. That was the healing that happened in her life. Because think about it. What mattered more do you think? The fact that she was bleeding or the fact that because of her bleeding, she'd been ostracized and cut off. And nobody knew her, cared for her, loved her, could heal her, would be with her. That's what Jesus healed. In her, in that moment, when he said to her, daughter... You're mine. I've got you. It was her faith where her healing was found. Which reminds me of so many times that I've spent with people as a pastor, people who are sick, dying, grieving, hoping in faith. And yet as we talk and we spend time together and they share with me their hurting, their suffering, the pain, the brokenness. So many, then, so many times then I also get to hear from them in the midst of that where they've seen Jesus. Where they've experienced the presence of the Almighty God giving them peace, giving them faith, whether it's been in a card or a phone call from a friend or a family member or a church member, whether it's been in a story that reminds them of joy and brings a smile to the face, whether it's been the Moments where they've been able and lucid and have had the opportunity to connect with the people they love most and who love them. What I've heard over and over and over again from people is that it's in the midst of their brokenness and their pain and their suffering where their faith 
has made them whole. And Jesus knew. He knew in that moment that this woman, in the midst of her pain and brokenness, had reached out to him in hope to be made whole, to be restored. And he knew that the power for healing and restoration had gone from him to her, that they had connected. It's also one of the things that makes this story interesting, like Emily said, is this is not your typical healing story where Jesus prays a prayer over somebody or lays hands on somebody or spits in the dirt and makes mud and puts it on their eyes. It's almost like Jesus knew, but he didn't know that this woman had been healed. He's just walking down the street and all of a sudden, he felt it. Something just happened here. Which is testimony to the fact that we don't always know how the healing is going to happen. What it will look like. How it will come to pass. But we know that Jesus knows. And there's a good chance that there's somebody in this room right now today who's hurting, struggling, in a broken place, maybe feeling like you're missing out or being left out or excluded or feeling like you've tried and tried every answer, every angle, everything you possibly can and nothing is working, just like this woman. Hear the good news. Jesus knows. And if you're in here today or tomorrow or the next day and you're reaching out for the healing touch of the Savior, he knows. He knows your suffering. He knows your brokenness. He knows your need. And he knows the power that is needed to meet you there and make you whole from the inside out. God knows. And he loves you. And he will meet you there. And then we can know what Jesus knew, that even in the midst of that crowd and all of the intimidation that comes with it and the fact that it's overwhelming and there's so many people around, that there's somebody in that crowd who needs to know the healing touch of Jesus to restore them, to make them whole, to give them a place, to include them in the family of God so that you and I could be a part of that work of God's kingdom that we could say to Shambly and, the, and Brookhaven and the crowd around us, Jesus knows Your faith is where your healing is found. Go in peace. Oh, that this would be a community of faith that would know like Jesus knows. The need around us of those who maybe often are considered or treated like they don't belong. 
and yet are seen, heard, known, and loved by God Almighty. This is our call. This is our invitation to be known by Jesus and to know our neighbors, to know our community, to know this crowd the way that Jesus knows them. In just a minute, we're going to sing our closing hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. As you sing those words, would you let them be a song for you that you could know the faithfulness of God for yourself and how great God's faithfulness is. And that each one of us could be open to how we could be a bearer of that faithfulness of God to those around us. As we sing, I want you to know, please, that this altar rail is open for you if you want to come and kneel here and pray. If there's something that a pastor can be available to be mindful, to be helpful to you, Emily and I are here for you. If you're looking for a community of faith to call your own, a church that you can be a part of, that's looking to take the love and faithfulness of God into its community, I'll offer Shambly First Methodist to you as that option. We'd love to have that conversation with you too. Whatever it is that God might be saying to you this morning, I invite you to listen as we sing. Would you stand and sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.